Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the NXT preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Cedric to look ahead to tonight's episode of NXT. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review NXT, but also Raw, SmackDown, AW Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture, as I said, though, joined by Hamlet Sidgwick to look ahead to NXT tonight and uh, another show stacked with excitement and another title match. Look forward to tonight inside a steel cage, Michael Hamlet. Yeah, not a bad one. Um, one of them ones where we've talked about like the, the fortnightly cycles of NXT mm. booking, or, or at most a three week one where they'll say this match is coming in two weeks. We have rapidly returned to that, and that's fine. Um, but some are going to hit more than others. I think the last two weeks, we had pretty substantial cards to talk about, which is funny considering that NXT is unopposed now. You'd think they'd have fired up a few more with them when they were trying to win a war, but like <laughs> instead, instead they just panicked. Yeah, we've had two really big cards. This feels like a slightly down week compared to some of the stuff coming next week, but it's all been built to. I, I can't complain too loudly. I just don't think this one's quite as spectacular on paper. I'm expecting an over-delivery which, again, just to echo comments I made last week, possibly indicates that this show is capable of creating decent expectations for the prospective quality of it. I've said one million times in a take that the rest of the wrestling media will one day grasp, but I won't get credit for, that AEW Dynamite has brought into focus through its very existence that NXT is actually not the alternative, it's sports entertainment. But it is becoming, once again a pretty decent sports entertainment brand. Mm. Uh, As I mentioned, though, the steel cage match tonight is the big, big news, of course. Johnny Gargano versus Bronson Reed for the NXT North American Championship. Johnny Gargano has tried to weasel his way out of this on numerous occasions, Hamlet, but I think tonight may be the night that he loses that title. Yeah, we're going to find out tonight, I think, if um, perception is reality with Bronson Reed, because I think all three of us collectively... I uh, think he's had enough turns. feel like he's been 50-50 more than he's been pushed in the last sort of year or so. It's always one eh, win followed by a much bigger loss. I think they changed that tonight and I, I do think he wins, but it's all going to come down to a feeling. It's all going to be like, I've no doubt this match will be really well constructed. I have a certainty that Johnny Gargano will do absolutely everything he can to get Bronson Reed over. It's WWE, so Johnny Gargano is going to lose upwards. 
like you would expect him to be in a title match against Karrion Cross, which again, we're, we're kind of giving a pass to because of the, the prospective match quality rather than because the booking makes total sense. Um, and you pitched, in my opinion, what was the perfect finish last week as a nice sequel to Bronson Reed's last great moment in that ladder match where he jumped with Candice on his back. Like, how many members of the way can he get on his back? They've tried to scale the steel cage as he's going for the tsunami and he just takes them with him. I think it's a tremendous finish. I think it makes great use of the dynamic of this stable. Really memorable way to try and actually commit to making Bronson Reed. But as I say, it's something I don't think we're going to know till tomorrow morning. It's, it's all going to be a feeling as whether this is too little too late. Um, but a big finish and a great match might give him a chance. He can't do the tsunami from the top of the cage. He can't. He's massive. <laughs> very, very, very high up. Johnny Gargano is small. Like, that, I was just about to say, they're asking for injury if they divide <laughs> the spot like this, but it would be very NXT of them to do so. Um, I'll be terrified if, in fact, that spot happens. And given, again, that it's NXT, it more likely will than not. Yeah, the whole losing upwards thing, I don't have particularly high hopes that they will address that in a logical, much less entertaining fashion. But, you know, Karrion Cross can demand the match from Regal because Scarlett just has chats with him all the time. Cups of coffee with William Regal for whatever <laughs> reason. Um, so we'll address that as and when it happens. I don't think there'll be much to address, sadly. But I'm expecting an over-delivery. WWE cage matches are inherently bad because the very second you see, and it happens way too often when it shouldn't. The amount of times you see a baby face try and scale that cage, it just instantly looks bitch AF. Mm. Bitch AF when you see a baby face do it. It's one thing for a heel to do it. A heel in that context would behave in such a way that they try and escape like, the path of least resistance because that's what a heel often does. If they do that in this match and have Bronson Reed, who can do the King Kong visual to marry up with his um, his Tron, and Johnny Gargano, literally at the opening bell, on him to look Bronson Reed up and down and then just run away. A little comedy spot, and he's so fast that it will look great when, in fact, Bronson Reed, who's pretty agile in himself, can climb as fast as Johnny Gargano, and then Johnny Gargano can sell the shock of that just as well. What I'm arriving at here is that Johnny Gargano's heel character lends itself quite perfectly to an imperfect match genre that WWE has just got wrong consistently. Mm -hmm. And I think they've eventually finally arrived at a really good steel cage match, which actually makes sense of the kind of upside down booking that we've seen in an NXT that because there's a blockade to the main roster these days now that it acts as a brand in itself. We see characters turn when they shouldn't be turned because there's little else for them to do. So we're in an a, NXT now where Karrion Cross is the baby face and Johnny Gargano's the heel and Candice LeRae's a heel. And as well as some of them perform well in those roles, it's all backwards. Like Johnny Gargano shouldn't be playing heel against Bronson Reed or Karrion Cross. It's just odd. Doesn't work. It works because they're talented. But they finally stumbled on upon the best possible version of doing a wonky dynamic. I just think this is going to be way better than it has any right to be. Not that 
philosophically it's a good idea to miscast these people as drastically as they do. Yeah, you're right. I, I think there will be a title change tonight, and I think it is going to be a great match, like you say, with Johnny Gargano's involvement in it and uh, all the mad monster stuff they can do with Bronson Reed in there, whether it be you know, going the whole hog and doing the Bobby Lashley Umaga diving through the side of the cage. I don't think they'll do that tonight, but it's certainly a possibility. Or, I don't know, Gargano's at the top of the, the cage and and Bronson Reed shakes it so hard that Gargano falls back into the ring or something like that. But yeah, I think there is going to be some mad spot in there, of course. Uh, it wouldn't be NXT without something like that. And uh, yeah, maybe not the tsunami from the top of the, the cage with all the members on, but either a tsunami from the top of the cage with no members on him or a tsunami from the top rope with all the members trying to desperately clamber over over the top of the cage and then just getting caught then. And like you say, a call back to, to what we saw in that ladder match. But either way, I think Bronson Reed leaves as NXT North American champion. And like you say, Johnny Gargano just seems the logical next takeover opponent for, for carrying cross. Speaking of which, uh, there's going to be a prime target tonight on cross and Balor, um, which always is, you know, it's not really a lot to analyse here, Sige, but they, it's one of the, the real strengths that uh, the NXT and WWE has, as you often say, is their production department. Yeah, the first one was good between Cross and Balor. I remember distinctly that it does, they did something similar before their match at Stand and Deliver. But there hasn't really been a great deal of story since then. Mm. So I've got... What these prime targets do is they edit the very best lines... And because they're framed in the context of a package, the sort of artificiality of WWE's dialogue feels way better when mm. it's not in a live setting. That's why these things work. And they edit it so that the images marry with the with the lines. So Finn Balor can talk about, I don't know, how hard he is or how hard he hits. And then you can marry that with like crunching visuals of him doing just that. It's just a composite of these little overproduced fragments of WWTV and they all come together and they do a tremendous job usually of doing it. But what's the story here? How can they do a better prime target when realistically Karrion Cross has beaten clean in the middle? Finn Balor's gone on holiday. I guess they could use that as a thread. Come back, just said I want it and Karrion Cross went, yeah, yeah. Let's see who's the hardest in the school. That's what this match is. <laughs> the two hardest lads in the year duking it out to see who's the hardest. And I mean, I guess... It works, but I can't just I can't imagine them usually this whip something out of thin air with these prime targets, but this air's pretty thin. Yeah, I I feel like I'm gonna need some sort of surprise to be entertained by this. Like just to echo Cedric's point, there is there's no story. There's a reason for a match. That's about as generous as I can be. Finn asked and Cross said, yes, there's a mutual respect, but he's going to beat him again. That's Cross's mindset for all of this. Um, and I think that's all right for a TV match. They're not asking you to, you know, tune in live on in your house for it. They know where this sits in terms of like prestige at this point as a rematch. Um, and they obviously believe that another win potentially over Balor is, is going to help Cross. Um, so I'm not quite sure what they're going to explore that's going to make this any more entertaining than, for example, the video package to the first match, mm. which did that, you know, which sort of talked about them being really hard and Finn Balor not being worried about the size difference because, you know, he is NXT and blah, 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 blah. Like, I struggle to see what they're going to, like, how they're going to make this any different. They didn't really go very near um, 
like when Sidney says like hardest kids in school, I was thinking like like local hard guys in a pub car park. They didn't go near the demon slash fallen prey elements of the characters for the first title match. Um, I can't see them doing that here because Cross has got a win. Mm. So you like you're going really big on carrying Cross. If somehow we see you tease out the demon because Finn's realised he needs that to beat Cross and he hasn't been that for such a long time or whatever. And then to lose, I don't know. I don't know if like I'd go that far with Cross at the moment. So yeah, like I've not got a great deal of anticipation. So I'm awaiting to be surprised by this because the prime target format is a successful one, mm. but there is just so little to see. One thing to look forward to tonight, though, is Tony Storm versus Zoe Stark. We've talked a lot, Hamlet, recently about how Zoe Stark has just been a revelation on NXT. And uh, I'm, I'm really into this this feud and these matches that they've had and uh, just how they've, how they've elevated each other, really. Uh, yeah, me too. Um, I like it's like I like the, uh, the fact that Zoe Stark has felt like a very logically introduced character into this world of NXT. Um, a big showcase against Io Shirai, a big win against Tony Storm that Tony Storm has been pissed off about enough to want to stay in Zoe Stark's business and thus we have a mini feud. Like I just, again, like I feel like I repeat myself all the time on this. It's really basic, but NXT needed far more basic than it was doing in the way that it brought these characters in and you only need, like, you know, there's something, there's some stuff to like about it, but you only need to compare Zoe Stark to a thousand year old dragon ghost as a comparison for how basic can work versus overly complicated. And yeah, I like, I like this. It's very, very reminiscent of how they'd book feuds that were never destined for pay-per-views on the likes of Superstars and Wrestling Challenge when I was a kid. It ticks those boxes for me. I can feel and see people getting over and people performing roles. And luckily, in Tony Storm and Zoe Stark, there's a decent expectation of the quality of the match as well. Um, like I thought, it like Zadia Ramey has kind of gotten over a little bit as a result of this. She's somebody to talk about when they want to use her next week. So it's that kind of feud that's also extending out to other people. Um, I'd like Stark to win, but I have a feeling they're going to give it to Storm and mm-hmm. they're going to do it as a bit of a decided thing because Stark has lost. So it's not like they've got like an undefeated streak to predict, like to protect or anything like that. So I feel like they've got a decider, which might be a match too much for this, but I, I have enjoyed this. I'm, I'm not thrilled or exhilarated by it, but I, I like seeing it play out. I think you go with Storm here because they've done enough. They've done really quite a quietly excellent job of doing um, Zoe Stark in terms of a push. But she's one that they can keep on the back burner. With NXT, historically, they've trusted their audience to say, right, okay, we're going to give you a glimpse of this character. We want to protect them without the horrible pejorative connotations that that word has in WWE at large these days with the idea being you are going to maintain a connection with that character for when the machinations unfold and we're going to need to bring her into the mix. Um, But Tony Storm at this point, like rapidly approaching busted flush territory, at least when you measure a potential against the booking or Mm. like lack of focus, like people rave, like Tony Storm has had, Massive pre-pandemic matches in NXT in the May Young Classic. She won it, didn't she? Yeah. From going from it's a fall from grace, and I don't think there's any way you can spin otherwise. If they are going to, and she's still very young, but if they want to maximize that potential, because the problem is if you stigmatize someone 
as being a nearly there person or someone they don't really care about that often. This perception can take root for literally years and years. Mm. It doesn't matter how talented Cesaro is. And that's an example I'll go back to quite often. People for years, when people still really cared about WWE, beyond that just mutant core that will just accept anything they do. People for years and years were going, oh God, I'd love to see Cesaro get the push. I'd love to see Cesaro get the push. And when they eventually did it, it was like, who cares? We kind of know you're not going to do anything with them. I think the NXT fans need a show of faith in Tony Storm if they are going to actually get behind her at any point because there will come a finger snap moment where it's like, but I don't care. Mm. doesn't matter what you do subsequent to that. I don't care. So yeah, Storm to win makes perfect sense given where each woman is at. And in terms of the perspective match quality, yeah, they should bang. If they're given the time more so than they were on the kickoff ahead of whichever takeover show, probably stand and deliver, then yes, definitely they should bang in that sort of bracing way that it's always just a thrill to watch in this NXT women's division. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. 
One of the real highlights of NXT recently, Siege, of course, has been the back and forth, well, mainly just mugging off, uh, between Cameron Grimes and Ted DiBiase. He's mugged him off buying a watch. He's mugged him off going to celebrate his victory at the club. He's bought a mansion so he couldn't own it or whatever it may be. And now tonight, Ted DiBiase is going to be live on NXT. I'm giddy with excitement to see what they do with this one. Uh, Yeah, I'm expecting actual development here. There's no point flying the guy in and advertising his appearance because we've seen like like cameos, if you like, where if you watch, you know, but if you they don't promote, oh, Ted DiBiase is going to be the secret cameo guy as a punchline. Why would you promote that? It feels like this is going to develop one way or the other with the fact that he's been pre-advertised in the live setting. Um, look, because we've just seen, oh, punchline, oh, that's an amusing punchline, amusing to various degrees, We've laboured on this point of, well, where's it going? And where we think it's going, or where I think it's going, is that Cameron Grimes gets one over on DiBiase by secretly purchasing the million-dollar title, possibly from his kid. I can't really say anything more than that. It just feels like it's the time now. Hmm. Cameron Grimes is Teflon to looking like a tit. (laughs) That's the thing. So he could look like a tit, and they could just do a live version of those skits they've been doing. So it's not like fundamental to his career prospects that he gets one over on Ted DiBiase but at some point maybe he has to yeah and it would be nice as well boring wrestling analyst talk here it would be nice if there was an like evidence of a match down the line that this could lead to as well I enjoy the comedy I I really really like the like some are better than others but generally speaking I've really enjoyed like how they've used Ted DiBiase um, it's not felt too on the nose, which it really could have done. Mm. I think with a heavier hand, like it would have sunk early in it and it hasn't. But I would like a match because I would like for this Cameron Grimes character. Remember that week before before he went to the club where he won with ease? It was quite nice seeing him wrestle and win and be reminded that, well, if you wanted to, you could start fighting for titles as well as being really good partner and like mm. being rich. I kind of wanted to see him with a belt at this point. And this, I'd, I'd like to think this stuff with Teddy Biossi, obviously it could be the million dollar belt, but I'd like to see it lead to a couple of matches. And all I can think of beyond like what we all talked about last week about possibly a, a Ted Biossi Jr. cameo or something, like Cameron Grimes has bought him out of poverty that his dad's left him in because he's not financially looked after him or whatever, is you drag it out to in your house and Ted DiBiase has a, He's bought a mystery opponent for Cameron Grimes. Like, Grimes gets one over on him this week or something. And it's actually set up a nice, like a mm. cute mini feud for In Your House. Uh, Ted DiBiase, famed, of course, for introducing The Undertaker as a mystery opponent. So what's his money going to provide for In Your House? It's like a nice hook of a surprise if they can get anybody interesting. A Cameron Grimes impersonator, like the fake Undertaker. You know, there's like, there's lots of Ted DiBiase history that you can mine that makes it, and it can be like really fluffy on the night. It doesn't have to be the banger match. It just needs to be like a decent payoff. Mm. It's like as one of like the the middle thing of a five or six match stacked takeover. That's a bit of a let me up on a takeover when you've got all these banger matches mm. coming. Like I like I want that. I, like I want the fun, but a little bit of focus into something a bit more significant for Grimes next would be like an added positive to all this Ted DiBiase stuff. Yeah, I love those ideas. I I genuinely don't know what they're going to do here. Like you say, whether they're going to do the million dollar championship, whether they're going to do a feud with them, whether they're going to do the thing we've talked about for a while, which is like 
we're so alike, maybe we should be pals or something like that. I think there's obviously scope for for all the obvious jokes of like Cameron Grimes arrives at NXT, but who's parked in his special parking space? Oh, bloody dead Ted DiBiase's there and he's got his personalised number plate or whatever it may be. And uh, Cameron Grimes, he's got his special locker room. But wait a second, he's in with the bloody plebs. He's, he's having to share a locker room with Everrise. I don't know, but there's a lot of scope for stuff there. But yeah, this, this feels like, a very good, exciting progression for something that we were sort of saying, oh, will they keep up with this? And fair play to them, they have. And uh, and now, yeah, it's opened out into some into some very exciting potential storylines going forward. And having him live on NXT just sort of solidifies that. Um, but tonight, we have got a Python interview with Arash Markazi. Um <laughs> I like what what Arash did with uh, with with Adam Cole, of course, by the pool uh, a few weeks ago. An interesting sort of change of pace with these interviews, and it's something that Pete Pete Dunne sort of needs because you know they like to say, "Oh, well, he could challenge anyone for the title," but he has, and he's not won. So it it almost needs this refocusing, whether it be Kushida, that kind of knows goes quite well, or whatever it may be. <laughs> I don't know, but what do you reckon? Um, I think it's bold to promote a Pete Dunne interview rather than just have it be where it's an interruption like normal. I, I don't foresee this being the sort of thing that's going to hook that extra 50,000 viewers for a quarter hour they may be looking for. Um, I don't know. I don't know because I'm like, just subjectively speaking, I'm not really sold on this attempt to rehabilitate Pete Dunne from like two or three high profile losses in a row. Like, I know, like, that, I love that takeover match with Kushida. Really, really, I thought it was, like, great use of Kushida, brilliant use of Pete Dunne, again, like, a really important win. But did it rehabilitate him from failing constantly in main events a month four? I, I don't think it did. I think there's more work to be done, to, to be done. And I'm, I'm not so sure that, like, a hyped interview is the way to do it. They've got faith in him, so that's a good thing. Mm. It, like, this is probably the fourth time that we've had, like, interview time with Pete Dunne like in, in the last five or six weeks. So they obviously see something in that delivery style of his, which is great. But like, I'm going to have to wait for another match to judge it objectively. I, I just thought the Kashida thing was such an, like an awesome step in the right direction. But then there's a certain, there's an arrogance of a heel that you can accept, but there's an arrogance of a character that you just can't buy when Pete Dunne, comes out with the rest of the number one contenders crew and says, I want a title shot. There's a big difference there. Like Cameron Grimes could come out and obnoxiously say, I want a number one contenders shot. And you could completely receive that as an in-character thing. Pete Dunne comes out and you're just like, you don't deserve this, mate. You're like, you've lost and lost and lost again. Mm. It's it's a totally different feeling. Um, but yeah, like I, I feel like I need more objective evidence in matches to tell me that Pete Dunne's going to be the guy again rather than a chat. So I don't know, maybe like... They want, they want you to consider him a potential challenger for like a television... Ta- like Cross versus Dunn will happen on television, I think, probably within the next two months. So I think this is working towards that. And that's all I've really got in mind from at the moment. It's just a load of telling, not showing, isn't it? That's mm. all it is with Pete Dunn. He's not credible. He's lost all of his big spot matches other than one against Kushida. And look what that turned into... That seems to be the direction I would go in personally because there's a seed there that can germinate into an actual program. On a general level, I do like these legit sports guys, interview mm. wrestlers gimmick that they've been experimenting with. Um, it's better than the vacant-eyed 
backstage interviewers who just ask fluff questions. I'm not saying like it's a hard-hitting journalist in this context, but you know what I mean. It's just an attempt to make it feel a little bit more legitimate. And I'm all about that. But aghast, I can't get excited about a Pete Dunne promo. And not to be too harsh, but I don't think I could be excited about a Pete Dunne promo, even if he'd been pushed as an actual winner. Um, a lot of cake eating having it. A lot of cake eating happening here, and I'm not sharing a slice. <laughs> yeah, I'm intrigued to see how they they work this one out because, like you say, there's some plot plot holes potentially here if he just immediately says he wants a title shot and like like when they said, "Oh yeah, you know, we came out and said, oh, I could beat you, I could beat you,' or whatever it was last week." And I was like, "No, you can't." I watched you face them, and you lost to both of them, so I don't I don't understand it. But yeah. Interesting uh, strategy, possibly for a not necessarily a rebuild, because like you say, he's had the stuff with Kajuda, Um, but he uh, he's got some potential. Uh, I've just annoyed they haven't called it a sit down interview because you could just have some more fun with that, couldn't you? Uh, right, let's conclude, Siege, by talking about the undisputed era or what is left of the undisputed era. We've got Cool Cal O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, of course, who returned last week and said he's got his own things to deal with. Adam Cole, who's just still sat by the pool, and Roderick Strong, who's just buggered off. What is next for them? What's happening with them, with them do you reckon? You know, we see on these podcasts, I think he's moving forward into a new pre-USA direction, is it? Because I feel like I've answered this question about a million times. <laughs> There's no great storyline advancement here. Yes, I guess there is. But it's not like anything I care about. You know what I mean? Like, mm. if it was good booking... I should be able to latch onto it and guess the different directions. And maybe someone who isn't completely numb to it might. Uh, I don't know. I've got no idea. I've got no idea. Um, look, here's, let's try and use some backwards reverse engineering here. <laughs> Kyle O'Reilly is cool Kyle. Is he, is it a masquerade? Do I care? No. I don't. But he's the new face. He at some point is going to have Karrion Cross. He should be Kyle, uh, Adam Cole in a match that counts to get to that match. Uh, I'm, flat, I'm tired. I don't really care about this. Am I wrong? Or is it just not exciting at all? Um, I wouldn't say it's terribly exciting. No, I agree. I I liked last week. Um, I really did. I, I thought, at least, the story they were trying to tell um, is that the the Undisputed Era has completely exploded and ultimately everybody is just fine and they've gone their separate ways. And I think that's where the intrigue lies is that this is actually going to come back together and be explosive. I expect maybe Bobby Fish to wrestle tonight and it's the sort of graphic they'll put up like 10 minutes before showtime, like picking a heel out of thin air, but like an Austin, Austin theory, you know, like just somebody, a heel for Bobby Fish to beat and then find himself on the wrong end of an attack. And then Kyle O'Reilly makes a save and it's very much the same as last week. I owed you one. You know, we're not wearing our armbands anymore in the same T-shirts, but we're mates and and that's it. Um, with Roderick Strong gone and with Adam Cole no selling it, I think I think there's something there, but we're very much at the start of that. You know, we're, we're only going to get to see now if that's just me going off with some fantasy booking or if they've got like something totally different in mind. But I, I sense that was the idea. Like Roderick Strong's... Um, like resigned from his job. Like that's quite interesting because mm. he's not gone to the main role. He's not like been drafted to raw or something like that. He's handed in his notice at NXT seemingly 
depressed at the state of things. That's wrestling drama telling you that he's going to come back, isn't it? That's what that is. He's going to make a shocking return. And Adam Cole wants to pretend that everything's fine. Like, so I, like, I, I'm not into much yet, but I feel like that's where they're going to go. So maybe we'll just get a bit more of a nod towards that being the direction. But I don't think it's unfair to say that there's nothing to get excited about because I'm really shown as anything yet, unless you're mad into Kyle O'Reilly's singles character. Like, it's just like walking to Glastonbury. And I'm, I'm not that keen on him. I, I, I don't think he's particularly, I don't think he's particularly relatable. This guy, I don't really believe him. He looks like he's been gimmicked up on like a creator wrestler on a game. And by all accounts, like this is him finally being allowed to wear his band T-shirts. Like, I don't believe they're his band T-shirts. I think they're somebody else's. Like, I certainly don't believe it's a straw hat. It, I just, I don't know. Like, I think I think we might get there with Undisputed Everything, but we're not there yet. He claims on Instagram, because God bless him, he got buried for the perceived Orange Cassidy imitation. I don't think that was the intention. I think he's realised in on Twitter afterwards and thought, oh, Yes, okay, I looked a bit like him. That's not what I was trying to do. He claims that he is trying to adapt his own irreverent, quirky personality on a TV. But again, that WWE lens is so suffocating that maybe that's the issue. Mm. I like the idea of him being trying to portray that he's fine when obviously he's not fine. And like that's the whole overcompensation of it all. But again, I don't think have a great deal of track record of WWE. It's being- not Hangman Page, is it? Yeah, exactly. This is exactly what I'm alluding to. But intriguing to see how this this plays out tonight with uh, with the return of Bobby Fish last week, and of course all the fallout from uh, uh, the two title matches: Raquel Gonzalez retaining the NXT Women's Championship and Kushida uh, retaining the Cruiserweight Championship. Interesting to see what happens next with them too. But let us know your thoughts ahead of NXT tonight on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at um Sidgwick we'll follow us all at what culture wwe and make sure you subscribe to what culture wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts the raw review is available right now the nxt review will be available tomorrow as will our aew dynamite preview as well but for now this has been the nxt preview my thanks to the dadly boys thank you for joining us and we will see you soon Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. 
Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.